above all names, God, that you've graciously given us salvation in that name. And Lord, I just pray as we come to this moment of time, as we hear a word from our pastor, God, that you would prick our hearts and open up our minds to what you have for us. And God, that we would look to no other than the name of Jesus Christ and fix our gaze upon the author and perfecter of our faith and that we'll see what you have for us and that we will just be have the courage to God just to yield our will to yours and we praise saints in Christ's name amen amen would you give Justin the band hand for a wonderful job today well good morning it is great. That was kind of semi-okay. Let's try it one more time. Good morning. Much better. Sermon goes better if your good mornings go better, right? Well, we welcome you all. We welcome uh, those who are watching, listening online. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. I just want to do this one more time. If you were on the men's retreat, would you stand back up and give these guys a hand? We had a great weekend. I think a lot of them have already been to earlier services and have snuck out, so which would they need to? You can only hear the sermon once and survive is what we've heard here. So, The future, the future. We're not real good at predicting the future. These are some expert predictions. In 1840, it was said that anyone traveling at the speed of 30 miles an hour would suffocate. Ah. Uh. 1878, it was said, listen to this brain surgeon, electric lights are unworthy of any serious consideration. I think that person has served on a committee with me at some point in the past. I love this. 1939, Popular Mechanics Magazine said, computers in the future may weigh as little as 1.5 tons. How many of you have a cell phone? Lift it up. Okay, there's your computer right there. Now put it up. Don't look at it again. I'm just teasing. But well, yeah, don't look at it again until, unless you're looking at Jesus stuff, right, Josh? Okay, and this is this is really good. Experts, Decca uh, Music Company, it's a pretty well known music company, wrote a company, they a, a group, a band they had heard, and they said we really don't like your sound and guitar music's on the way out. It was the Beatles, the Beatles. Aren't you glad the Decca Company is not setting the agenda for your business in our church? We are talking about the future today, and the future is something you should be concerned about because if you plan on living much longer, that's where you'll be living is in, is in the future. We call this Vision Day at our church. We've been doing this about 18 years. And when you leave today, I'll show you. There's pamphlets at each door. We, we started back in 2012, a vision we called Vision 2020. We had to really end it in 2021 because of COVID. And if you're in a small group, you saw videos about that. That'll be online. But we have a, a booklet. We'll show you some of the, the great things God did in our church during this time. And some things we're dreaming about this, this year. And then we're going to hopefully have a new vision for a long term in the days ahead. But I, I want us to look not at the past today, but where, where is our church going? Now, I want to pause and say this. I know you, you might say, well, I'm not a Christian. And what in the world does how the church is going matter to me? It should matter everything to you. Now, it, it does, and I understand it fundamentally. But, but I want you to see today what God wants his church to be like. And I think if God's church is like it should be, you'll want to be a part of it. So I think it'll be attractive. If you're not a Christian, stay with us, whether you're watching online or you're here, because I think you'll see some, some really positive, sweet, and good things. Maybe you're not a member of our church. Well, 
you can be today if you want to. Membership, it's, it's 5% tie for two months now if you want to join today. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I got some good laughers over here. That's good. That helps my self-esteem. But wherever you go to church, you can take it back to your church. And, and not the sermon, but the principles. But if you're a member of this church, man, you got to get on board with us about where we want to go, what, what the future needs to look like. And I want to begin with this. We're in, excuse me, we're in First Chronicles 12, page 466 in my Bible. I have no idea what it is in your Bible, but probably if you get between four and 600, you're close. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians again next week. This is Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. If you find 1 Kings, you're near 1 Chronicles. That's a good way of thinking about it. But as you're, as you're thumbing through that, you should find it midway through the sermon. That's why you do have a table of context. This is a crucial time in our world. Man, this is a crucial time for our world. I mean, right now, February 2022, if you're, you're paying attention, it's a crucial time. Our story is set about a thousand years before Jesus' birth. And it's a crucial time in the history of Israel. If you look with me in verse 23, if you don't have a Bible, the scriptures will be on the screen. These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul kingdom, Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. Now jump down to verse 38. All these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to Hebron fully determined to make David king over all of Israel. All the rest of the Israelites were also of one mind to make David king. Here's what was happening. The Jewish nation had been split. Saul was the king. He had gone cra literally crazy. He'd gotten away from God. And God had said, David's going to be the next king, but Saul's still alive. So a little bit of tension there, obviously. And, and the, the 12 tribes of Israel, they were kind of split. Some were following David. He wasn't officially king. Some were following Saul, who was still king. And there were, they were trying, Saul was trying to kill David. They were fighting amongst themselves. And the history of the Jewish people in the future, because this will be important, they would fight amongst them. I mean, kill each other, fight amongst themselves. And they knew Saul had died, David's supposed to be the king, and they knew they had to come together. They had to come together and, and get a king, the right king. They had to be unified as the 12 tribes of Israel. Or here's what was going to happen. They were going to internally kill each other. This happens in the future. I mean, literally, they weren't just arguing at a business meeting. They would kill each other. They would stick a sword in each other, fight each other. And they didn't want that, but they also knew if they stayed divided... For very much longer, other countries were going to come in and destroy them. By the way, that happens in the future too. It was crucial, but man, we're in a crucial time in our world today too. If you've just watched 10 minutes of the news in the last week, Ukraine and Russia have rolled up the sleeves and are fixing to swing at each other. And we hear, well, maybe American soldiers will be involved in that. China and Taiwan, there's a lot of tensions there. Well, if, if China overruns Taiwan, is America going to get involved? Listen, we don't want to go to war with anybody, but you don't want to go to war with China. You really don't want to go, go to war with Russia. You don't want to go to war with both of them at the same time. It's tense times. Our economy's tough. Washington, D.C. is crazier than it's ever been, and that says a whole lot. That says a whole lot. It's, it's crucial times. And, and I want to tell you, most churches aren't doing very well either. In the middle of all that, it's a crucial time for churches. Most churches are absolutely not doing well. Sadly, I think I can prove this to you. We have a picture of a chart that is from 2000 
to 2020. Now, the 2020, very interesting, that is before COVID. And in 2000, the average church in America ran 137 on Sunday morning. So we get, we get confused. You can leave that there for a second because we see bigger churches, especially in the South. But the average church is running 137. Before COVID, that had fallen to 65. That's incredible. That is incredible. Who knows after COVID, that may have fallen to 30. It, 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 that's, that's not good at all. Our Southern Baptist Convention, our church is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We voluntarily give to that and support that. They don't control us. In fact, we, we really help and support them. From 2006 to 2020, we lost 2.3 million members. 2.3 million members in our convention. In 2020, we had the lowest baptism number. Now, what's baptisms? Baptism, after, why they're so important, God tells us to do it, but it's after a person's saved, we baptize them. So that's, a, that's an important number to kind of keep up with. We had the lowest number of baptisms in 2020 since 1919. That's a 101-year record that we shattered. That's incredible. In fact, from 2011, that just wasn't a one-year anomaly. From 2011 to 2020, our baptisms as a convention went down, down, down. In 2011, we baptized 333,341 people. In 2020, we baptized 127,000, 200,000 less. That is incredible. Our worship numbers are going down, down, down. Tom Rayner is an expert in and church and statistics and he is Baptist but he studies all denominations so this is across the board Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, non-denom whatever you want to put in the mix 10% of churches in America are healthy 10% 40% are sick 40% are in the ICU and 10% just called Kilpatrick's and Owens to come get them because they're dying I mean, they're not, not they're going to die. They are, they are taking their last gasp for breath. <laughs> Listen, it's a crucial time in our world, and it's a crucial time for churches. So here's a question. If you're a part of First Baptist, or you want to be, or wherever you go to church, if you're, you're visiting today, you're going to be back in your church next week, how can we thrive in the days ahead? Listen, if you love Jesus, you don't want your church to die. The church is the body and the bride of Christ, 94 to 95% of the time when the church is mentioned in the New Testament, it is not talking about some myth, uh, not mythical, but some mysterious invisible church. It's talking about a local body, what we do here, what we do here, what we you do at your church. How do we thrive in the days? I want to give you three things. The first two, I'm going to be pretty quick. Number one, we've got to stay in God's will. You're an individual. I don't care about the church. Well, if you're a Christian, you should. If you're a Christian, you want God to bless your life and your life to thrive. You better stay smack dab in the middle of God's will. Because you know what I know from personal experience? When you scoot away from God, God's power and blessing and hand scoots away from you. But as a church, that's absolutely true. I'm going to make it real simple. You know, two things we have to do as a church, stay chained to Jesus and stay, to, stay chained to the Bible. Amen. Amen. We don't have to stay chained to Chris. I don't mean this in an ugly way. We don't have to stay chained to you. We got to stay chained to Jesus Christ and the word of God. We got to, man, we got to be smack dab in the middle of God's will. Here's the second thing. Man, we've got to continue in the purposes of the church. We got to continue in the church's purposes. The, the church does not have 400 purposes. Did you know that? Let me give you the church's purpose in a real brief, I mean, this is a sermon series. I'm gonna do it in, in one minute, hopefully. 
Matthew 22, we're memorizing that as a church, those verses. says, love God with all your heart and love people. Do you know as a church, that's a big part of our purpose. Man, we love, worship, serve, and honor God. And we love people. We fellowship, we love people, we serve people, we minister to people. You go to Matthew 28, just a couple of chapters over. Jesus' parting words, go and make disciples, that's converts, baptize them, and then continue to disciple them, train them in everything that I have taught you. You see, our church is built on three principles, three purposes that are from Jesus Christ. We want to love Jesus, and we want to love people. We want to win people to Christ, and we want to grow people to look like Jesus Christ. That's our purposes. And the problem with a lot of churches is they're trying to do 85 things, and we need to make major on those, those three things. It's pretty simple. It's not complicated. It's just not easy to do. I want to share with you a quote from a guy named Christopher Wright. Christopher Wright said, Jesus did not, now listen carefully, he did not give his mission to the church. He formed the church for his mission. Did you get that? We don't sit around and go, well, what should our mission be? He said, wait a second, you got it backwards. I've got a mission. I created the local body, the church, to be my hands and feet, and I gave him a mission. He continued, and man, I'm glad I didn't say this because I'd be in trouble, but it's so good. He said, when you got a church meeting and they're not living out Christ's missions, just a bunch of disobedient Christians hanging out. Whoa. When a church is meeting and not living out Christ's mission, it's just a bunch of disobedient Christians hanging out. We've got to live out the purposes of the church. Are y'all mad at me? Okay, just wondering. It's not hot in here, I can tell you. Is it? I'm, I'm, no. Okay, anyway. Here's the third thing. We must be relevant to the world we live in. This is the big thought this morning. We've got to be relevant to the world that we live in. This is where I think a lot of churches are missing it. A lot of us, we miss it on the finding God's will or being in God's will. We miss it on the purpose. But, man, you can get those first two right. And if you miss this, we, we, we've missed it. Let me give you two thoughts on this. We've got to understand our unique time and our unique place. We've got to understand our unique time and our unique place. Got to be thinking ahead, but, man, we've got to know where we are today. In verse 24, the men of Judah carrying shields and spears, 6,800 armed for battle. Verse 31, excuse me, verse 30. The men of Ephraim, brave warriors, famous in their own clans, 20,800. In verse 33, the men of Zebulun, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. Man, these guys were getting together. And they weren't trying to fight a war that happened a 1,000 years ago or even 400 years ago. They were bringing the weapons of war for them. They were plotting that they were ready to fight them. But verse 32 is a sneaky little verse in here. Man, is it profound. These are the Jewish tribes. They're all coming together. They're, they're, they're coming before David. The men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. If you're taking notes, the word understood means to discern. It means to perceive or to grasp something. The times is their, their time or their season. And these guys knew, knew where they were. They weren't going to be fighting battles in the Pacific Ocean. They were going to be fighting land battles there in Palestine. They knew the weapons they needed. And these men of Issachar, man, they had a discernment 
about the day and the age they lived in and what needed to happen. Man, I, I want to tell you honestly, you just look at those statistics I shared with you earlier. Most churches don't do that, guys. Most denominations, de denominations are 10 years behind most churches. Let me share with you a little bit about our world today, not that you don't know some of this. Why, this is, this, these are some reasons we can't, we can't try to do church like it's 1950. There are more email addresses in the world today than there are postal addresses. Do you know that? And you young people, you don't know this, but 30 years ago, we didn't know what an email address was, did we? We didn't. There are more websites in the world today than there are families. And there are over a billion families in the world. That's incredible. If you took all the material floating around on the internet in any given month, put that information into books, averaging 250 pages a book, you stack those books straight up, they would go over 200 million miles beyond the sun. And the sun is only 93 million miles away from Earth. Wow. Technology. Listen to this about technology. They say in five years, technology is going to be 32 times more advanced than it is today. A decade from now, they're saying it'll be a thousand times more advanced than it is today. 20 years from now, one million times more advanced than it is today. You will be able to tell your iPhone to cook you breakfast in 20 years. Wow. A lot of churches and even a lot of businesses still think it's 1978. 1972 about 20 years before I was born. <laughs> Gas was 36 cents a gallon. Can you, wouldn't that be great? Somebody say amen. amen. In America last week, now not Ruston, but the national average, it was $4.49 a gallon. Now I can be mad about that, and I am, by the way, if you didn't notice. And I can fight that. What good's that going to do? Hey, the church and Christians need to fight more on ethical decay. Absolutely. Till Jesus takes us home, we're standing on righteousness. But we're not going to change maybe the, the, the gas price or tech, slow technology down because it's going too fast for you. We need to decide we're going to move forward. And as a church, how that impacts us, I think it's gigantic. Where we are. We're in Ruston, Louisiana in 2022. And, and where we were before we moved to Ruston, we were in Cisco, Texas, beautiful little place, great town. And our church there had a tradition. They went on a mission trip to Mexico every year, done it probably 30 years. I went one year, it was a wonderful trip. But every time inevitably when we would come back, it wasn't the leaders of the trip, it was the people who'd never gone before would come back. And when we, when we would talk about replacing carpet or painting a parking lot, it would make them mad. Well, we go down to Mexico, and, and they have a dirt floor, and, and they have a dirt parking lot. Most people walk, don't even drive up, and, and some of them sit on the floor, and we want carpet and a, and a painted parking lot. And I remind them, the worship services in Mexico were lasting two and a half hours, and the guy was preaching over an hour, and they didn't have air conditioning. Let's go for all of it if we're going to go for any of it, right? And then they'd snail back into their shell after I'd say that. <laughs> hey, church doesn't need to be a country club. Man, we don't have to have chandeliers. How many of you are for air conditioning and heating? Raise your hand or you're not very smart or you're dishonest. <laughs> of course you want that. That's where we are, friend. 
We've got to do the best we can to reach the world that we're in today, not the world we wish existed, not the world we wanted existed. We've got to grasp where we are, have a concept of where things are moving, and be relevant. This was in the 90s. A lady I knew joined the church I was pastoring at that time. She was a Methodist. She came to our church, Baptist church. Was there at that church most of my four years there. And then I left and, and it had nothing to do with me leaving, I hope. But they, they had a, some problems. They had a couple, like two or three, two pastors in like three years. And it was kind of term, turmoil. And she eventually, and I don't think she was like a church hopper. She joined a non-denominational church. And so within a decade, she was a Methodist, a Baptist, and a non-denominational. Well, I'm going to tell you, 30, 40 years ago, that didn't happen. When you moved to a town, if you were a Baptist, you went to a Baptist church. You were a Methodist, you went to a Methodist church. You were, there wasn't a lot of non-denoms, but if you were non-denom, you probably went to that. You know what? Today, people want to go to a church where Jesus is lifted up, they're reached and ministered to, and things matter. That's who we've got to be. We've got to understand we are in Ruston, Louisiana, and it has its quirks, doesn't it? It's got a lot of great things, but it's, it, we have to understand our city. We're not in Dallas. We're not in Houston. We've got to understand that we're in 2022 and look to the future. But here's the last part of this puzzle. We must act constantly on that understanding. It's not good enough to have academic knowledge. It's got to be academic knowledge that, that is applied. Verse 32, the men of Issachar who understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. If you're taking notes, the word knew means they were aware. It was a practical understanding. And they knew what they should do to, to work, to accomplish, to build. They grasped the place they were in, the time they were in. And they said, here's what we have to do. We're not going to understand and have a committee and debate it for 18 years. We're going to step out and we're going to move forward. A friend of mine sent me this several years ago about Baptists. If you're not a Baptist... Well, this is true. I've been one my whole life. Two certainties in every Baptist church. We don't like change, and we don't like the way things are. <laughs> That's called riding the fence and splitting your britches, isn't it? You got to decide where you're going to go with that. You know, morons seriously change for change's sake. I mean, you just, you know, we're just going to do something different because we can do something different. They call those people unemployed, don't they? But man, to not change, to be relevant is dumb. It's deathly. leads to death. A friend of mine was in London several years ago, and they were touring. They were being led on a tour guide to St. Paul's Cathedral, beautiful cathedral. And the tour guide told them the church is literally shifting, moving down the street an inch a year. The, the, the core of the earth shifting, and it's, it's shifting an inch. So just think about it. You have your favorite pew you missed two years, come back, and it's not there anymore. It's moved two inches, right? <laughs> and, and some guy in the audience hollered out. He said, that's faster than most churches are moving. One inch a year. <laughs> Man, sad, but it's so true. Sad, but it's so true. I interviewed a guy 25 years ago. He wasn't in my church. I'm glad he wasn't when I, he answered these things the way he did. I knew him well. He had been an alcoholic. I believe he was saved, but he struggled going to church. Here's some of the reasons he struggled going. I said, tell me about the sermons where you go to church. He goes, well, honestly, said, most of them are boring, irrelevant to my life. They don't apply. 
What about the connection group or small group or Sunday school or whatever you want to code it with? He said, honestly, he said, they're cliquish. They're not friendly. Even the leader of the group a lot of times won't talk. You know, I go once or twice, I'm never going back. But he said, the, the lessons are boring. They're not applicable. They don't help me. He was a musician. I said, what about the music? And he said, well, the music is okay sometimes. Wow. See, I don't think that guy was opposed to Jesus. He just, what he was getting to church wasn't reaching where he lived. Wasn't reaching him. Man, we've got to be applicable to the place we are. Ed Young Sr. is the pastor of Second Baptist Houston in Dubok, Louisiana. Are y'all awake? Second Baptist Houston is in Houston, Texas. He is 80 years old, and he could still today preach the paint off the walls. He's still leading, thinking about 2030 right now. And I heard him say one time, he went to that church, and it was a small church. Now it runs over 20,000. He said, if a church is going to thrive, it's got to be open to constant change. Not change for change's sake, but change to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Change to minister to you today, to your kids tomorrow, and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. If Jesus doesn't come back, we need to be relevant until he does. And he's going to come back. I mean, he doesn't come back for 100 years. We need to be relevant until he does. J.D. Greer is the pastor of the Summit Church in North Carolina. He was president of the Southern Baptist Convention for several years. He went there 20 years ago. It was a small church in a metro area with three major colleges right there. They weren't reaching anybody. He said after he'd been there about two months, they found some handbells in a closet. This was difficult to tell at the first service, by the way, the story. And they decided to sell the handbells to buy guitars because they were making a decision to become a fully contemporary church. And he said, a little while after that, a little lady came up to him, introduced herself, and said, my mother, who's now deceased in heaven, bought those handbells. And you should have asked me before you decided to sell them. Let me pause and say this. If you're going to give a gift... Don't hold on to it. Just rent it. I mean, you can rent the children's building for $2 million. When you get mad, you can take your money back. Right? I mean, J.D. Greer said, I paused for what seemed like an hour. He said, it was probably about 10 seconds. And he said, the Holy Spirit gave me the words I never would have had. He said, ma'am, do you think your mom in heaven would be excited to know we were going to sell those handbells to buy guitars to reach the next generation? It was almost a miracle, in my opinion, what happened next. She looked at him and smiled, and she said, I think she would be. That's not how that story ends most of the time. I assured them in the early service, we're not looking to sell the handbells <laughs> that we hadn't used in five years. But we are, we are desperately looking to be relevant in the days ahead. Folks, Three out of four people in America are lost and going to hell. This isn't a game here. This ought to be the happiest, funnest place in the world, the church. Sunday, the best day of the week. But man, we are in the life and death business. We can't afford to get behind the curve. 
We got to stay relevant and real for 2022 and 2032. And I'm committed to that with all my heart. Let me tell you one more story. I was in a college town. Girl, sophomore in college, her mom and dad were killed in a car wreck. Both of them gone, just like that. She spiraled, as you can imagine, into a deep depression, and she walked to the river, got on the bridge, which was pretty high, and was going to jump off and kill herself. Before she did, she saw a steeple. She said, for some reason, I said, I'm going to go to that church. She walked in, and she asked to speak to a minister. I don't think it was the pastor who talked to her. Here's what she said. She told him what she'd done. She said, preacher, tell me, is there anything under this steeple that you can give me that'll keep me from walking back to that bridge? Man, I want to tell you, we want to have that. And that's Jesus. But that's Jesus in a way people can understand him today and tomorrow and 10 years from now and 20 years from now. And as long as the Lord doesn't come back, as long as we're here, we don't want them storing hay in this building in 20 years. We want this building packed for multiple services, reaching people for Jesus Christ. Because we have something to keep you off that bridge. You're not a Christian today. Man, I want to challenge you to give your life to Christ. It's the greatest thing you can ever do. And I want to tell you, a lot of churches may be living in the 50s, but Jesus Christ is in February the 6th, 2022, today. You're watching online, stay with us. I want to give you, or you're here, give you a chance moment. I'll lead you to, uh, to a prayer to give your life to Christ if you're ready. But you can come right now. We'll help you when we stand to respond. We'll meet you at the doors after church and help you give your life to Christ. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that online. You can, you can do it after church. You can come and join us this morning. Here's what I want to tell you, man. This was the perfect time to preach this message because our church is at peace. Our church has been in a good spot for a number of years now. But we need more people to help us take the banner of Jesus to the world today and tomorrow in the future. Come join us today. We need you. You're a Christian. Maybe again, you go to another church. You're visiting. You're a member of our church. This is not optional. You don't get to decide whether I want to help my church move forward or not. You're called to do that. You're called to do that. You're not called to keep your church in line. You're called to help your church propel forward. Man, you come to the altar and pray. Come pray with a minister. Pray with me that we'll surrender our church every day to Jesus to let it be His today and for the future. Let's stand. God leads you. You come. We'll be waiting on you. Lord, I come. I confess. Now
heads with me. This morning, if you're a Christian, again, I challenge you to, man, give God your whole heart. Let Him have your whole life. You be a person that's going to make a difference in this world and help your church do that too. If you're, you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you are, you're ready today to give your life to Christ. Sincerely pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. And that you died for me. And arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus.